This is BIV Today, the daily business show from the journalists at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden. This week on our show, we're taking a look more deeply at education. This is in conjunction with our education-themed magazine, which is out this week. My guest today is the president of Royal Roads University, Philip Steenkamp, joins me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Haley. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really curious to hear about Royal Roads' experience during the pandemic, because as we both know, educational institutions at all levels have had to figure out how to deliver at a safe distance their regular educational offerings. But what interests me about Royal Roads is that distance learning was already a big part of your model. With that in mind, tell me a bit about what this past year has been like. Well, it's been an extraordinary year for all of us and for the post-secondary sector in general. I don't think it's undergone that much change in so short a time, you know, in in its history. In fact, uh, you know, within a matter of days and weeks, everybody had to move instruction online. As you mentioned at Royal Roads, we've actually had over 25 years of experience offering online education. In fact, it's a combination of online and in-person, a kind of blended model but we've got deep expertise in online. But nevertheless, uh, we had to move uh, you know, some of our exclusively on-campus programs online. And we have uh, on-campus in-person residencies for students who study online too. They come together on campus probably twice a year for two week periods to do sort of immersive in-person learning. So it was a challenge to get all of that online in, in such a short time as well, but we were able to do that. And we were able, of course, to draw on the deep experience we've had over 25 years, because our online learning is not just taking something which would occur in a classroom and just representing it online or remotely. It's actually a whole uh, pedagogy about how to best engage students online in an interactive way. We have a cohort-based model, so students work together. They learn as much from each other um, as they probably learn from us as uh, as well. So in terms of the uh, kind of instructional challenge, we, I think we're better prepared than, than many. We have as well on our faculty, some of the world's leading experts on online learning, um, people like Professor George Velestianos, who really specializes in, in digital learning. So we, we drew on our academics as well to help inform us. And in turn, I know they've been offering assistance uh, to other institutions. So that was on the on the uh, academic side. On the operational side, of course, many staff uh, members um, moved to working from home, although in July we started coming back to campus incrementally. Uh, so we've also learned, you know, as, a, as administrators, how to work uh, remotely as well. And then, as with many other institutions, we faced budget challenges because we saw a significant decline in international student enrollment. As one might imagine, international students couldn't get here. Uh, and so we all faced budget challenges, but I'm delighted to say that notwithstanding those challenges, we've been able to balance our budget this year uh, by cost containment and just being really kind of um, rigorous as a community in containing costs and looking at additional ways to raise revenue. And I did that within the context of making a commitment to the entire community that nobody would be laid off as a result of this pandemic. And I'm very proud that we've been able to meet that uh, commitment. 
That's very admirable. That's really great to hear. I'm curious, one of the things I've been hearing from others in this space is that there might be more demand domestically from individuals, perhaps who lost their jobs, perhaps they feel that now's a good time for them personally and professionally to make a transition. Are you seeing any kind of demand domestically from students deciding to return to education and upgrade their learning? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we've seen an increase probably of three, I think it's about 3.84% in uh, domestic student enrollments, or certainly in domestic student applications and registrations. Um, and I know that's replicated across many uh, universities and colleges across the country. I saw the Ontario numbers today, where you've seen record enrollments at universities like the University of Toronto, McMaster, and others. Um, so clearly students are making the decision that in the context, in the current context, and as a result of the experience they've had uh, through the pandemic, making the decision to go back to post-secondary, to upskill or to reskill, or to get that, that particular kind of credential which will help position them well in the labor market uh, moving forward. Of course, at Royal Roads, our demographic is, is a bit different than a traditional university. Um, you know, the average age of our undergraduates is 27 and the average age of our grad students is 40. So we deal with a lot of uh, early career and mid-career uh, professionals. But even in, in, in that area, we've noticed a lot of people coming back and saying, you know, I want to upskill I want to kind of move on in my career, or I'm in a, a sector that has proved to be quite vulnerable as a result of the pandemic, and I want to shift focus. Um, and I think we will see more of that. So that has helped offset the uh, the decline in, in international student numbers. For that demographic, I can see how at least the option to learn at a distance could be very useful, especially for those who are maybe trying to maintain some kind of professional obligation while they're going to school. Do you find that applicants are typically driven first and foremost by that ability to maybe learn at a distance, or is that more of a secondary driver? They choose to come because of the course or the program specifically, and then it's a bonus that they maybe have some flexibility in how they learn. It is a combination, and I would say at Royal Roads that we attract students because of the flexibility we offer. So you don't have to put your life or your career on hold. You can actually get your credential while staying in your job. Not many people can afford to kind of quit work and put their lives on hold. You know, they, they obviously have, many people have family responsibilities. So we offer a very flexible model, which means that at any stage, at any age, um, you know, uh, at, at any place, you can actually uh, start a program at, at Royal Roads. And some of our programs um, are paced in a way which allows people to take more time. So some programs you can complete in 12 months, but then we'll have a, an option to complete them in 30 months, just depending on how much capacity you have. Um, and I think increasingly, I mean, we've had that model since day one, but I think increasingly that's going to be an important kind of model uh, for people moving forward, because many people, I think, coming through this pandemic are not going to have the luxury, really, uh, you know, of taking the time off to study full time. They'll be looking to come in and be able to study on their own time. And we have designed a model uh, specifically for that. The other thing I'm noticing, too, is that some people also don't have the time to complete an entire degree. 
So we increasingly are looking at micro-credentials, uh, allowing people to get a particular credential, a particular competency, um, and then maybe come back later and get another one, and that these credits will all be stackable over time towards a, a credential. But I think that really is the way of the future. Uh, and in a sense, Royal Roads has sort of anticipated that, that future given our 25 year history, uh, you know, operating this way. The idea of a micro-credential is really compelling. Is that something where you foresee potential collaboration with companies or even industries where they maybe need more of a very specific kind of skill set and so they can partner potentially with an educational institution to develop some credentialing around that? Absolutely. And I, I don't think micro-credentials work in the absence of a partnership with industry or business or a, a community group or a nonprofit or whoever. Um, I think they have to be designed in collaboration with those stakeholders in order to make sure that they are current and that we are actually meeting the need and providing the skill set that those industries and those businesses need. So we have started with some provincial funding. We've started um, some micro-credential programming just in the last few weeks, in fact. Um, and we're working very closely kind of with industry as we design those programs and move forward. I think there's a huge opportunity here in micro-credentials, um, but part of the challenge is what is a micro-credential? We have to do a work as a province and as a country in defining micro-credentials. That is key and developing a framework so that those credentials are recognized as well. So people can take credentials to different places and, and get recognition for the work that's being done. And as well, I think there needs to be some rigor around what is and what isn't a micro-credential. I mean, I heard a case uh, that some institution, not in British Columbia, but some institution was offering a micro-credential in how to do a COVID test or a swab. <laughs> And, you know, that isn't a micro-credential, that is workplace training, which should just occur, right? Um, so I think there's an important discussion to be had on this. We're working very closely with our partner institutions here on the South Island, um, Camosun College and the University of Victoria on developing a joint framework for micro-credentials and, and jointly bringing the strengths of all three institutions to kind of bear uh, on this issue. It sounds as though, I mean, you mentioned Royal Roads has a long history of flexibility, but it sounds as though one of the trends we're seeing in education is the ability to be nimble and very responsive to the needs of a rapidly changing world. It feels as though things are changing with increasing uh, quickness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, COVID only accelerated trends that were already there. I mean, prior to COVID, post-secondary was looking at significant change. I mean, we've seen huge technological change, which just accelerates literally day by day. That's resulted in significant economic disruption in, in multiple sectors, as you would well know, you know, not only retail, banking, the legal profession, everywhere, in fact. Um, and, you know, on top of that, we've got the climate crisis, you know, which is an existential threat uh, to all of us. Um, and as a result of the sort of economic um, disruption we've seen, kind of increasing economic inequality and that's produced significant social unrest. It's led to the rise of populism as we saw in the United States uh, and significant kind of social churn. So institutions really have to think about the role they play, you know, equip people with the skills that they need to thrive and survive in this kind of environment. And what kind of leadership can we 
take on some of those key critical issues. I think one of the things that's really struck me about this pandemic is it's not just a health crisis. You know, this is a, a crisis that's spilled over into other sectors really rapidly. I mean, into the economy, into the education system, and on and on and on. So increasingly, I think we need to be working on providing people with the skills to think about uh, these complex problems, but in particular to think about the way they're interconnected. So I think, you know, um, systems thinking is going to be absolutely critical moving forward. And, you know, we hear from industry that the kind of skill sets they're looking for in people, including, you know, obviously the, the kind of hard skills and, and the technological skills and the digital skills, but increasingly looking for people who can demonstrate critical thinking, problem solving, creativity, collaboration, and systems thinking. I think too about the kind of leadership we're going to need to navigate all of these crises and crises that are unfolding at once and the, the social justice movement that we've also seen take yes. place during COVID-19 and the need for inclusivity and diversity when it comes to leadership and how that might be incorporated as well into leadership training. Yeah, so, you know, those issues are, I think, fundamental in leadership moving forward a kind of appreciation for um, what you need to bring as a leader in terms of your response to the, the sets of issues you mentioned. So whether it's the climate crisis, or whether it's issues around kind of racial justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, reconciliation uh, with indigenous peoples, uh, you know, there's a whole set of issues now which, which require leadership. And at Royal Roads, we have a school of leadership, which you know, for, for 25 years has, has been providing people with, with the skill set to kind of navigate these issues. And in all of our schools and in both of our faculties, this is an increasing emphasis. I, I met with MBA students the other day, uh, virtually, of course, and spoke to them about this. And you know, they are intensely interested in climate issues in racial justice issues, in reconciliation issues. And that's very encouraging to hear because I think that is the future. People are expecting that business leaders will have that skill set and will be able to navigate those issues as well as the traditional kind of business issues. In our final few minutes left, uh, we know BC has a vaccine rollout strategy. Of course, a lot can happen that might derail that strategy. But as the leader of an institution like Royal Roads, how are you planning for the year ahead and what are your priorities for 2021? So we obviously are very uh, optimistic. I am very optimistic about the year ahead. And I think actually part of leadership is demonstrating confidence and optimism, particularly in challenging times like this, because there's a lot of anxiety out there and the risk appetite is all over the map. Um, you know, so I think as, as leaders in organizations, we have to demonstrate that we are confident and we are optimistic and we have a plan. And we do at Royal Roads. Obviously, we are hoping that the vaccination campaign rolls out even more quickly than, uh, than has been planned and that we are able to get back to doing things we haven't been able to do, like in-person residencies and, and on-campus uh, classes. But having said that, we also um, have a very ambitious uh, strategy for the year ahead. We have a new vision at Royal Roads. It's a 25 year vision. Our vision statement is inspiring people with the courage to transform the world, has some very ambitious goals and a set of actions attached. So we're gonna be working on those. One of those is a new climate action plan, which will be concluded in the next couple of months. 
Um, I'm getting a report next week from our anti-racism task force. There's kind of a lot of work going on there. We're looking at developing new programs in the digital space in particular. Um, so there's a lot of work there. We have a brand new research institute called the Cascade Institute, which looks at research on all of these complex challenges and the interconnections among those challenges and the key interventions that are needed to address them um, and a proper kind of communications and engagement strategy around that. So that is going to be a big focus for us. And the other thing, of course, about this year is that last year was our 25th anniversary, which kind of got derailed because of the pandemic. So we're going to treat this year as our 25th anniversary again. And uh, we're planning all kinds of all, all kinds of activities and, and celebrations around that. And then the last big initiative, I, and I alluded to this, is we're working very closely with Camosun College and the University of Victoria. And we're hoping to put together a proposal for a joint center for lifelong learning, which really will focus on that agenda of upskilling and reskilling um, for our local population. So lots of plans and lots of other exciting things uh, on the agenda. Sounds like a very exciting time. I look forward to hearing about these initiatives as they progress. But for now, President Steenkamp, thanks so much for coming on our show. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. Take care. Bye. You as well. Bye. That's Philip Steenkamp. He is the president of Royal Roads University. I'm Haley Wooden. This has been BIV Today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode of our show tomorrow.